0: We're going to be looking at just a portion of Scripture in Colossians chapter 1. I remember years ago when I was in school that the first part of chapter 1 from uh, verses 1 through 14 uh, made up what was called the Colossian cycle. It's a cycle of things on how, how things would transpire and work within a Christian's life and uh, I've used that I've taught that and preached that uh, a number of times over the years but, but we want to look at a little bit about that but then I want to move into another section there dealing uh, starting with verses 15 and that but we're going to go back to 12 and we'll look at that a little bit but the, the order of the books of the Bible the, the order that we find them in uh, there, there's some that say, you know, well, maybe we ought to change the order around. But uh, I think this is this has been a recognized order. And when I say recognized, yeah, this is an order that has been recognized that goes back centuries ago. Am I cutting in and out occasionally? It did again. Hmm. Well, we might have a another problem that we didn't solve from before. I thought we did one when we got this new headset, but uh, we'll find out, I guess. But anyway, um, the order of the books of the Bible have uh, have been followed. This order of the New Testament, at least, as well as the Old Testament, that, uh, this order, uh, at least for the Christians, has been followed for hundreds of years, pretty much as the books have been written. And when they were... Uh, Read by the early church early churches that, where they were distributed and read the order of the epistles the gospels, the epistles and uh, that has been pretty much standardized from way back when and uh, E.W. Bullinger said even the order in which we find the books are the order in which the Holy Spirit has given them to us but when we look at the books of uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, when we look at that 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 little package there, uh, we find that, 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 that that's a group of you yeah, have the Pauline epistles, and then you got some of the epistles in the Pauline epistles that, that are broken down into a subgroup. Uh, called the prison epistles and uh, Ephesians Galatians, Ephesians and Colossians make up those prison epistles and when Paul was in prison in Rome and so that's it's kind of interesting uh, when you start doing a little comparison and you get a little comparison between Colossians and Ephesians Colossians and Ephesians seem to go well together and and uh, doing a little research and looking, I found this, that there are, like in the book of Colossians, there are 95 verses that appear here. And out of those 95 verses, there are 78 verses that are connected with the book of Ephesians. And then if you look at the book of Ephesians, there are 155 verses in that particular epistle. And out of those, of course, the 78 are referenced here in Colossians. And so there's a combination, there's a commonality between them, uh, which is interesting to note and to see. And so that... The information you can go back and forth, and you can read these two books together and uh, or separate, and then you, you you can find that there's there's similar topics that appear in both, which means that there's a good strong connection, and of course that connection is there because of the work of the Holy Spirit in the giving of the books. When we look into the epistles. We see one particular topic that appears that's very important, and that's the church, and also as referenced to as the body of Christ. In humanity, we look about Christianity as it is today, and we have denominations. Well, there is no denomination that is mentioned in in the epistles, not in God's Word. So when we look at that, we can clearly and easily see that uh, this denominational divisions is there because it's a thing of man, it's not a thing of God. God works in the different denominations because it, it's they're based basically on their Word, but, but man has altered the body of christ the church as christ said that he would build it and so when man has a tendency to get his fingers in mixed into the dough you know it kind of messes it up and that's why it's best for us i think it's better for us to be a biblicist than some denominationalist now we have a denomination, the Baptist on our sign, and that is there, and uh, how that all functions and works, you know, it, it's just the way it is. I don't move this up to the front here a little bit. Maybe that'll solve a problem. But um, looking in in the book of Colossians, and especially chapter one, we find the the important part of the walk of the Christian being identified and and being spoken of in chapter one. But I wanna draw our attention to this aspect starting with verse 12, where we see in the rest of the chapter here of chapter one, we see God is being focused on and then Christ carries a focus it says in verse 12 that giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet or made us fit to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light and so here is a work of the Father it's something that God did, something that God intended that's something something that God has planned and purposed. And we can do a study we can go back to uh, the book of ephesians chapter 1 and we can see that that God had a plan and a purpose he set things up in eternity past and that's even mentioned here. it's, it's reinforced here in the book of Colossians and it, it focuses upon an inheritance. In the Old Testament, we see inheritance connected in with the nation of Israel, with the Jew. Through the Abrahamic covenant. And so there's an inheritance there. But but as as we move into the New Testament and it comes to the matter of the church, then we find again, now God has and God speaks about an inheritance that he has made available for those in the church. And of course, to be a to have a part of the inheritance, you have to be a part of the family. And the inheritance—not that, that, as we know, and many of us know we, here in in our church—we we have studied. We know uh, probably a lot of details about the inheritance that God has in store for the uh, for those that are faithful. And uh, it, it's a very important. It's a very important topic that we need to know and understand about. Now, I was never taught any of that when I was in college or in seminary. But nevertheless, it's in the book, and because what God has placed in the book and the emphasis that he places upon it, that is what identifies as what's really important. You know, uh, I look at our the educational circle within... Uh, within our Christian schools and and there's a lot that they cannot cover but there's a lot I think that they should cover that they didn't cover because it's important material and the inheritance is. Verse 13, it's connected with verse 12 and of course verse 12 is connected with the Father what the Father has done and verse 13 is also connected with the Father who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. God has done that. And so we have something very precious to praise God for. He delivered us out of the kingdom of darkness. So many people don't understand that, that, that idea and realize the powers of darkness that are present within society, within the world today, and I think we definitely can see it here in America as we come to election time, how much darkness, not knowing, not being able to see. They see, but they don't see. And God uses that comparison in, in, in light of us. The Christians can, can see but not see. Oh, they can see the historical truth, they can see facts, but they may not see the spiritual truth that's connected in with the Word of God and the pictures and, and the way God reveals things in His Word. And the only way you can see spiritual truth is through the Spirit of God And my recommendation is that you ask that you become hungry to know the spirit truth of the word and ask God to reveal that to you. And he'll begin to do that in bits and pieces as time goes on. And I still, when I learned about that, I still ask that virtually every time I open up my book. I want to see what God wants me to see. Not just the historical facts, but I want to see the spiritual significance and truth that's going on here. But God has delivered us from the powers of darkness. He's translated us. He's he's put us into that kingdom of his dear son. And I believe that some will say, well, you know, know, those that teach kingdom now. Well, in a sense... There is the kingdom. The kingdom is of God and of Christ is active now, but there's more to come. And then it says in verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. Redemption. Necessary and important. If you're going to be connected you have to be connected with God and the only way you can be connected with God is through redemption and that's through Christ. And the matter of forgiveness of sins and Jerry has been touching it in, in, in somewhat of a way uh, in a similar fashion about faith and that, that faith you know when you go to a context sometimes there are different words that are translated faith the same thing with sin there's a variety of words that not one hebrew word or one greek word is sufficient to let us know all that god intends for us to know about this matter of sin and we have been provided redemption by god through christ redemption for sin but yet we're told to confess our sins. We, we still got to deal with sin because we haven't been so separated from the old nature that we don't have to worry about sin. No, that sin, it, it still lurks within our lives in, in the way we think. We can have sinful thinking. And, and God tells us about how to get victory over sinful thinking in His Word. And then also sinful actions that are are, are a a response to sinful thinking. And so sin is is a topic, a subject in the Word of God that's worthy of our study. Because we need to understand how God identifies sin in His Word. We need to know that and so by knowing that we'll know how to deal with it because God, God tells us how to deal with it and so that which God has done and that tells us and that's given to us there in verses 12, 13, and 14 but now we get into the matter of Christ and this is where I want to look a little deeper richer and we pick up in verse 15 and it brings up christ and it says in verse 15 who is the image of the invisible god christ is the image of the invisible god the firstborn of every creature Not in terms of flesh, but he is a firstborn. He is in authority. That firstborn isn't talking about his birth. That firstborn is an indication of his authority. The firstborn had the authority in the family after the father. He was the one that would take over the responsibilities of the family after the father the father has given him the authority we can go back to Matthew chapter 28 and we see where Jesus said all authority has been given unto me and he makes this statement in heaven and in the heavens and on earth and we find that here too for in verse 16 it says for by him were all things created that are in the heavens. Now, King James translation has that singular, in heaven. But other translations come up and they correctly translate, because the word for heaven, that is a plural term. So all things were created that are in the heavens, and that are in or upon earth. We read the words, but a lot of times I think we fail in camping there and thinking about what has been said. Whatever exists in the heavens is there because Christ has created that. There's a structure there, there's a governmental structure. There's a hierarchy among the angelic beings. And all of that was created by Christ. And whatever God has created, he's created with a purpose. He has not just a temporal purpose, he has an eternal purpose connected in that which he's created. Therefore, I, I, I don't have to worry. I, I, I don't get bothered by the ecologists that, that are afraid, you know, that global warming is going to melt all the ice and all the ice is going to be turned to water and that's going to flood the earth. I'm not worried about that. That, 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 that's not what I'm focused. I focus. On, I want to focus on the things that God has said are going to come to pass. It's a course of events I believe for the world as it shifts and as things change. Temperature hasn't been that drastically changed over the centuries. Eh, there's been some ways, but it, it's been a natural occurrence within nature at least from what I see? Well, who am I to say, because I'm not the scientist. Well, seems like there's a lot of things that scientists think they know, but they don't know. (laughs) Who controls the weather? Uh, We gotta control the weather, you know, by our by our carbon. Well, if you want to if you're really worried about carbon, then you just eliminate birth of animals and man and you'll and you'll you'll have the world that you want. They'll be, won't, they won't be around to enjoy it. But I mean you go to the book of the Revelation and see who controls the weather. God does. And when he gives of the weather to the angels to change the weather systems to, to, to stir up people on earth to get them to recognize the power of God and some of them they cannot see it they refuse to see it and they turn their back on the Lord well regardless of what they think and what they do and what they say they one day will stand before the Lord to give an account of course and and they'll be judged. But all things that are in the heavens and that are on the earth have been created by God or by Christ. Visible and invisible. Those of us somewhere along the line, I think we've, we've all peered through little microscopes and we've seen interesting things that are too small for for what we say our naked eye can't see, but but yet with a microscope we can see things that, that are too small, that, that are virtually invisible to our normal eye, but we can see it only through special helps. You can do uh, atomic microscopes, all sorts of things that, that are available today at, uh, More, more so than when I was in school. But all of these things, whether they be visible or invisible, if they be on the earth or in the heavens, since we can't see into the heavens, at least not the heaven where God is, we can't see the angelic beings. But nevertheless, they're there. They were created for a purpose, for a reason. And then he goes on to say, Paul goes on to say, whether they be thrones or dominions, principalities or powers, all things, and I like this statement, were created by Him and for Him. And so, in all of our studies, in all of our preachings, in in our reading. What should we pay attention We need to pay attention, obviously, to the Lord Jesus Christ. All things were created by him and for him. And no matter where you go in the word of God, you're going to find the hand of God. And that ought to be an encouragement to us that the power of God is displayed right here And we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, and we can read about man as man was created, as Adam was created, and how Eve came into being. It was all by the hand of God and an act of God. They were created for a purpose, and we know that. But sometimes I find I need to remind myself of that Simple truth, but important fact. You and I, as individuals, we are a part of that creative act of God, and we have been created, you have been created, with a purpose in the mind and the heart of God. And sometimes we get discouraged in, in the course of life maybe through uh, work situation educational situations uh, maybe interaction maybe what goes on in in the politics of the world and the current com- and the government and uh, our country and, and, and down into our state and into our cities and we get disturbed over all this god has things organized for a plan in mind and a purpose in mind And we are as bodily a part of that as anybody else or anything else. We're imagers. We are created in the image, in the likeness of God. Did He just decide to do that? Just out of nothing else to do? No, we can see that we are an imager of God and we are to bear his image. And there's, it explains why he tells us back in Romans that, that we are to grow into the likeness. We are to mature into the likeness of Christ. And that's God's plan for each one of us. How well, and I ask myself this question, where or what's going on in my life, in my thought life, in my action life, that doesn't reflect God at his best. And what's there? either in the thought process or in the in the action process of my life. Do I need to change? Does it need to be changed? Of course, we can do a physical change. We could do our own personal change. But that God wants to change us and he changes from the inside out. How to get the right change, you have to go to God. Because we don't have it within us ourselves. It's in him to grow into his image, into his likeness, to think like God thinks. I get worried sometimes when I think of what I like says, you know, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. That's why when we go to the to the book itself, to the Bible itself, we read the words, but his thoughts may not be understood like he's thinking, like we need the Spirit of God to instruct us, to let us know his thoughts, the understanding of his word, what he's teaching there. We can't learn it on our own. The mechanics, yes. The spiritual truth, no. We are dependent on God. And the organizational structures of the heavenlies the, uh, the, the thrones the dominions the, uh, the principalities the powers you can check this out you can go back to the book of Ephesians he talks about the same thing again we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against these these are spiritual entities in the heavenlies that we are wrestling against and we can't fight them with our physical flesh here on the earth It's not a physical battle. It's a spiritual battle. And how quickly we are to forget these simple truths and statements that are made in the word of God. But everything was made by him, created by him, and for him. Verse 17. And he is before all things. And by him all things consist. Not only has he made them, but he holds it all together. And that's, it's not new truth, but it's truth that we need to remember. It's truth that we need to go back and, and, and rehearse within our minds and realize just, just how active God is in humanity and in this world and in the universe, in the cosmos. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. Verse eighteen, and he is the head of the body, the church. There was one of the guys that I was in the army with many moons ago, many years ago, and I saw, and it has been on my mind and my heart lately. And I, I decided, well, I. I flipped open my address book and I decided I'm going to check out to see if the email address that I had from several years back and the phone number that I had from several years back, if they were still operative, you know, fast things change. People move to different places and then you get rid of this phone, you get a new number and I don't like changing numbers. I like to stay stationary as much as possible, but our phone number has changed. And i got a real difficult number now. Uh, It's 423-777-0123. Nancy, and then Nancy gave me her number, same thing, but 0201. And she said, which number do you want? I said, I like the one 0123. I didn't even have to exercise great mental concentration to remember that number. And I never call myself, but I can always remember that number. I like it. But Christ is the head of the body, the church. Again, this is a parallel teaching that goes all the way back to the book of Ephesians. And it's good to read about that. And here, when I was talking with Dave on the phone last night, he called and and we talked and uh had a good time and he was just telling me about uh, their church uh, up in kingsport and uh the pastor for some reason some in the church wanted the pastor out so uh he he ended up resigning and leaving and he said dave said that the church split and he said half the people went one place and half the, the other half is still there And he said i just don't understand it don't understand it and uh I don't find any church splits. There's only one body. And the problem with people again is the organization and they can't get along or they want it their way. They don't realize the church is the Lord's and we're all on equal footing in the in the body. And I, I should... I shouldn't treat anybody else in the body any different than than I would treat my my own body. Loving one another. What did Jesus pray in John chapter 17 when he talked that that, that we would be a unit, we would be one as he and the Father are one, that we would be one in him. That's unity. That means this is what God's goal and objective is, the oneness, and that is what we are to strive for, not division. I told him, I said, well, I said, to be honest with you, really, we really don't seem to have that problem a, at all in our church. Because I think our, our hearts are knit together. And we need to understand, and I think we do understand the oneness of the body and the oneness of the church because the church is not us, we make up the church. But the Lord is the one that's building it. There's none that are more important than the other. We are all important. We are to work together, labor together. And not everybody, and you know this. So you can go back to we can go back to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we can see that the gifts in reference to the church. And not everybody has the same gift, but we minister all together, and it's a complete product. It works like God wants it to work, and that needs to be our goal and our objective, our heart's desire. And unfortunately, in many a church organization today. uh, It's not so, but it should be. That tells me that that their focus is off. Uh, They have a wrong purpose in mind. He's the head of the body, the church, who's the beginning, the firstborn, from the dead, that in all things he might have. The preeminence. He might have the preeminence. He's to be our focal point. He's to be your focal point. Christ, I remember R.G. Lee. I don't know. Some of you may not remember that name. Maybe maybe you never heard of him. Great Southern Baptist preacher. But he preached the message, and I remember Christ above all. I remember the title. And I listened to it many a time after when I got a taped copy of that. Christ above all. Above all. He is above all. God states it so in his word. And we have no reason why we should doubt what God has said about Christ. Christ is above all. He is the one to have all preeminence. And so, it's not a position in the church. This is his position. He is the head. And I like that. He leaves no room for controversy. Good stated fact. And so we find Christ. We find the Father, what the Father has done. And we can marvel at that and praise the Lord and thank the Lord for what he has done. And we, in Christ, how important it is to be in Christ. So many people that are not in Christ. They have a knowledge of Christ because they just have a knowledge of the, from the book, but they have no relationship with Christ. They haven't developed that. And, and God is not impressed with the amount of our knowledge concerning him, but he is impressed with how much time we spend with him. My wife and I have grown quite a bit alike over the years. We think a lot alike. And I know those of you that, that have been married a little while or a long while. You're finding this true in your own life. You become like more like each other as time goes on sophie you got you, you got that experience you, you got something new that you're going to see that's going to develop that, that that'll just captivate your mind and your heart and you say wow how did that happen it's it's a work it, it's just something that that happens we don't manufacture that It just develops. It happens. But as you spend, the more time you and I can spend with the Lord in his word and then talking to him in prayer and and spending time uh, throughout the days and keeping a constant, oh, constant awareness going on throughout the day. We're going to find it. then we will become more like him. But if you don't spend time with him, you're not going to become like him. God is more interested in how much time we spend with his son. Because the more time we spend with him, the more we'll think like him, the more t- the more we're in the word, the more we'll understand him and the more that we will become like him. And that is what God's what Paul recorded in Romans chapter uh, 8. Conformed into his image. That's the only image that we're given here other than we're created with the ability to be imagers of God, and that's the image he has in store for each one of us. That is the image. His image. He made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. And that's virtually what we find throughout the scripture. The work of God in reconciling all things unto himself, unto Christ. And you, we can go to the book of the Revelation and we can read the final account and that is what is going to happen. And we have God's word on it. And so these are the things that I find are are really important for us as a Christian in life. They need to be important to you. That's why our time together in the Word is so valuable and precious. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet how hath he reconciled? He has now reconciled. In the body of his flesh through death, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. That time is going to come. Verse 23, If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, Which ye have heard? The gospel. The death, the burial, resurrection? Yes, but but the gospel, the, the word for gospel is the good news. Good news about what? Good news about anything that God has declared in His word. A lot of good news in the word of God that we need to be made aware of. Which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whom I, Paul, am made a minister. I like that. And with that, we'll pretty much wrap up. But you see where our hope lies. You see who needs to be the focal point of our minds and our hearts. The importance of that. All things are created by Him in the heavens and the heavens will be reconciled unto Him because of the blood that He shed. I mean, this is, the death of Christ on the cross wasn't just to take care of our little sin problem. No, it's far more reaching than that. It reaches back up into the heavens and it's going to affect them as well. Christ's redemption It's much broader. It has a greater work than just you and me because there's a bigger work that needed to be reconciled unto Him. We have much to thank God for. We have much to thank Christ for and much to glory in. And because of Him and the Father we can inherit. What an awesome thought. That's usually not preached and taught in many a church. But yet, so vitally important to understand and know. How much are you like Christ? How much do you picture? How much have you become like Him? Grown together. And the more you're together, the more you're going to look like Him. And that's that's what God has designed. Are you concerned enough about yourself? And about the plan and the purpose of God that you want what He wants above and beyond all else because what's left in this world is but going to perish. So we have to ask ourselves these questions. We need to ponder these things in our minds and in our hearts so that we will be found just like God wants to find us when that day of reckoning comes. And so, Father, we ask that again, through the power of your word and through the direction and the leading and the empowerment of your Holy Spirit, that we might understand, we might see with our spiritual eyes, know through spiritual thinking, be able to see and understand all that you have destined for us in these days, but not just these days, but the future. We look forward to that, that which is yet to come. And we ask, Father, that you will encourage us every step of the way and we'll just give you thanks and praise for how you work in our lives and through our lives for what you're doing what you said you will do and what you have promised us that you will be doing for it's in the name of christ my savior your son that i pray in his name